Welcome to Vicious Whispers with Mark Tullius, your source for horror, sci-fi, suspense, and all things violent. Thanks so much for joining me today on Vicious Whispers with Mark Tullius, December 30th. Man, year's almost over. And I finally published something. I did not think I was going to publish this year, but I did put out back at Grandma's house. That is on Kindle Bella, so it's only available for U.S. residents has to be on there for 30 days before I put out the paperback if I'm going to, and then also the complete Kindle version, which will have all the death scenes. Go into that in a little bit. First, let me tell you what story is going to be at the end of the episode. The Artist. That is a good one. I like that one. I approved that one. I should approve them all, I guess, but I definitely have my favorites. That one, even though it's third person, I like it. I like the general idea. I think it fits with the whole idea of... Um, I don't know. You'll see. Hopefully you'll dig it. If you don't, turn that shit off. Wait till next week's. All right. So that is up at the end. That's from Twisted Reunion, which is doing quite well in Germany right now. I'm pretty excited about that. Making some pretty cool fans. It's helping me with my German, trying to write back to them. It's probably terrible. <laughs> like My responses are probably awful. But between my little bit of knowledge and Google Translate, hopefully it's making some sense. Anyhow, that's really cool to even just to be conversing with people in other countries. So last week I talked about how I shut down everything from all the stress of the holidays and just, you know, being a great place, but also being busy. And that was why I didn't post anything on social media. Then I had a day or two where I posted some stuff. Actually, I think it was only one day. I think it was the day before I recorded the podcast. And I didn't even share the podcast. So thank God I have Alvin who chops things up and, and posts stuff. But I have not been very active. Yesterday, I put one thing up saying, oh, I released something. But I am not very good at promoting myself or, and, like, shit, I'm just busy. So that's what this week was. This week was hanging out with family, playing around. And then whenever I had some free time, if I wasn't playing guitar or screwing off on something else, I would be working on trying to dive back at Grandma's house, really trying to get it finished in time to release before the new year. Fortunately, I had my father edit it, did an amazing job. And then my friend Pat, who's going to be one of the Try Not to Die writers, not sure what he's going to write yet, but definitely have him slave for quite a few different things because he's an excellent writer. Anyhow, I sent it to him. He gave me some incredible feedback. I got that yesterday, then I went and put it right up. So, Pat, thank you so much for that. That was awesome. All the time I was doing that, I was not posting anything again. I feel a little guilty for leaving. I have that dark and disturbing fear field group. I should be posting there all the time. I should be trying to build it up. There's a lot of shoulds there. I don't like the word should. Anytime I, I use the word should, I have a voice saying, hey, don't use that fucking word. Do you really need to? No, I don't really need to. Uh, do I like engagement with people? Yeah. But do I want to take the time to think about it and then check to see if anyone responded and then I'll feel guilty if I didn't respond right away so the next day or whatever. It's like, eh, I just got to do what is good for me. So yeah, very little social media posting. Also very little activity. I didn't do yoga this week. I don't think. Damn. I did a little bit of stretching, got some acupuncture, but yeah, I did spend very little time in the sauna. Wasn't really taking care of myself this week physically. Eating was kind of shitty too. And so those are probably tied. Is probably all the little snacking I'm doing. Probably having a little bit of sugar, candy, stuff like that. Making me a little bit more sluggish and lazy. Or maybe I'm always like that. I just don't feel like doing it this week. That could be it too. And that could be totally fun. So whatever. But 
definitely makes me think about my goals and what I want for this next year. Usually I have something in my head about weight and I'm trying to get down and my body fat percentage down and then I'll do it and then I'll say, fuck this and I'll go back to how I was. So I just don't do that. Now I'm just thinking about like, okay, no, I want to stay in pretty good shape. If my doctor is telling me I'm in really good shape, if all my blood work's coming back great, you know, blood pressure is good, all that kind of stuff. So yeah, I will continue just having, I'm not trying to get into great shape, but I will continue to work out, I'll exercise, I'll try to get in, you know, five days a week, whatever is best for me. But again, not going to kill myself, not going to set some crazy unrealistic things. I'm not setting any strength goals. Maybe I should, but Honestly, the only way I got through this past year was thinking about every day, like, okay, what am I going to do today? I'm not worried about what I'm doing in a week or a month or whatever else. Sometimes it helps to be on the different programs that my friend George and I were doing on inner dimensions. That way, at least we know what we're going to do the next day and it keeps us on track. So I might do some of those, but for, oh, another thing that will be happening this year is I think February 12th, 10th Planet Whittier, around then is when 10th Planet Whittier will open. It will definitely increase the amount of exercise I'm getting. I'm not sure whether or not I'm going to be training because of neck issues and all that. I want to, and I'm going to try to. If it doesn't work, I'll just go do more of yoga. But I'm looking forward to the opportunity of having my son on the mat. My daughter really wants to train again, so as is my wife. So that's going to be super cool. It'll be fun just to see that and how awesome it is for the community. There's already some great jiu-jitsu here. Gracie Baja is just down the street from me. I love those guys. Phil and Alex are awesome. Phil, one day we're going to actually ride to die together. We just haven't done it yet. Both been very busy. It's all good. But... It'll be cool to have a 10th planet in town. Personal side of things for next year, I don't know. I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. Right now, I do, I think I'm on day 208 on Duolingo. So I do a little bit of German every day or a tiny bit of Spanish. Might pick that up a little bit, I don't know. But I'm going to do that. I just want to keep doing some guitar or bass whenever I have time. Again, my goal isn't to get really good at it. It's just to have fun, to enjoy it. And that's kind of my philosophy. So I used to be a perfectionist where I wouldn't want to do stuff because I would be afraid I wouldn't be very good at it. But with those things, like, no, I'm having fun. It's good for my brain. Why not continue to do it? So I'm not trying to become an expert. But I do notice with a continued practice, like, okay, I am getting a little bit better. I am able to hear a little bit more in German. I'm able to pick up a little bit more. I can read a little bit more. The guitar playing is getting a little bit better. I could pick up the guitar and play, like if I'm watching it on Musician and it's right in front of me, I could play a decent song. I don't feel like I could, I could definitely couldn't do it just on my own without seeing anything. Also not one of my goals. So that's that. I would like to travel. I would like to travel to Germany again. I don't know whether or not that will be for Frankfurt Book Festival or not. Or if we just go for a fun trip. Because last time with the Book Festival, I wasn't able to see much. That's all I did was work the festival. Did get to see a little bit. And it was cool to see Nico and Lucas, two brothers that I met. I'm riding with Nico on trying to die in the Rhine. We have Zoom sessions pretty often. I also love to see Marika and Misha, who I had her on my podcast when they were here visiting. I had been on hers before. So it's cool to have some friends there and all the new fans. So I do want to get out there. We'll see whether or not Germany is going to happen. I don't know, especially with the state of the world. Fucking COVID's terrible right now. Probably so hard to, hard to plan, but I do need to set that up if I'm going to do it. So there's that festival. The other festival I want to do this year, not sure if I am, 
is the LA Times Festival of Books. I was planning on doing that and then having several Try Not To Die authors help me out, also work the booth. Good opportunity for them. Great for me because I wouldn't have to be there all the time. But again, it's like, do I really want to do it? Is it worth the expense? I don't know. So we shall see. I'll have a lot of cool Try Not To Dies out by then, a lot of new ones. But mm, we shall see. I don't know. I think that is in April. I probably need to make a decision on that fairly soon. On the writing side, there should be quite a few books. So not only did I just put out Trying to Die Back at Grandma's House on Bella. It's only eight episodes long, and the first three episodes are free. So if you haven't tried out Bella before and you're in the U.S., check it out. Get those stories for free. If you do read them, please do whatever you can do there. I think it's like a crown... Favorite, I don't know. Just like it, upvote it, whatever you can do. I'm new to the platform. I haven't really checked it out. I just put it up yesterday. But the coolest thing with Bella is the ability to get feedback on polls. So at the end of every chapter, that's where I'm putting my try not to die questions. Instead of having two or three, I'm trying to put three to four. And then after I get everyone voting on it, I'll know which choices sucked. And I'll cut those and I won't write those ones for the Kindle version. So it's a little bit of a bummer, I guess, that I you know, people reading the Vela version won't see the actual death scenes, but there is a code at the end of the Vela. So if you make it through all eight episodes, at the very end, there is a code. You can send that to me. And then when the Kindle version is available, I will be sure to send you a free copy of it. So damn, getting a free little book out of it. Pretty cool. Then two weeks, that's the other thing I've been working on, the Wild West. Today, I'll put in the very, very, very last edits I'm going to do. I'm going to send it to John for his approval. I'm sure he's going to have some changes. That shouldn't take very long. I'll put those in. Then we're going to run it on Bella as well. So the Wild West will be up there very soon. I just wrote to Steve Montgomery asking him what he thinks about putting Super High up there. We got stopped on that book again in October. But the main story is pretty much awesome. And it wouldn't take very long to go through, fix it up a little bit more, then put it on Bella. And so there's just a lot of opportunities. There are a couple other books like that. So I think this year is going to be pretty awesome. Then after that, we have Ghostland. I kind of do some work on, but that's going to be really cool. Just a lot of stuff in the works, but I'm not complaining. It's all good. I'm enjoying it. So I'm also excited to be done with this thing for now. So back to Graham's house, it's done. Don't touch it for a little bit. Wild West, a little bit of work. That one's just about done. So that feels really great to have those two finished up. Now on to the next one. Got to finish up. Oh, and I could also put up Death Best on Bella pretty soon too because that, I think the first 14 chapters are very polished. I'm still waiting on some of the lyrics. We're going to fine tune those. But again, I could have that on Bella if I wanted to within a month or two and then the book released right afterwards a lot of stuff is going to be released in 2023 which is really cool but again if i didn't eh, not a big deal like it's not going to make my life better releasing five books next year compared to one book compared to 10 books not gonna and even if it was a huge amount of money even if i sold them to a major publisher is not going to make my life better that's what a lot of people don't get i think I don't know if you're strapped financially, if you know, then money will make a huge difference. I'm not strapped. I'm doing fine. So more money, you know, better things, nicer cars, all that stuff, another house. That's not important. That will not bring me any kind of extra happiness. Those are all things. And really all you have is 
your life? Why worry about trying to get more and more things? But whatever. That's just my approach. Maybe more and more things really pleases you. Maybe that's what makes you happy. Probably not. That could be what you're telling yourself. And maybe it's true. Who am I to say you're a liar? So that's pretty much it as far as my goals go for this year. There's no resolutions. There's nothing like that. It's just, no, I like the direction I'm going. I still have definitely, and I share them on here. I definitely still have setbacks. But the nice thing is they don't happen that often. That's what I was saying about the other day after the blow up last week was it takes a while. Like it's going to be a while before that happens again. And then I will just get better at releasing the steam before I have blow ups. I will figure out different ways to deal with shit better. But overall, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty happy with the direction my life is going. So I'll just keep going until it gets shitty, you know, and I'll remain optimistic. I know things could go bad. I know there's probably a lot of death and sadness and grief and all that kind of shit ahead of me. But right now, like, why think about that? I don't I don't think about that. I was like, no, I'm cool right now. I'm going to continue to be happy, to be thinking like this, to be grateful until some bad shit happens. And then I'll deal with it. And then I'll just be grateful for what I have then. I'll try to. And fucking eventually I'll die. And then game over. So who cares? But anyhow, that's way too much preaching. It's too early in the morning. I already smoked weed. Probably shouldn't have. But oh well. All right, guys. I am out of here. It is early in the morning. I still need to edit this, put it up, write a quick newsletter, and then go play some Fortnite with my family and uh, maybe I'll exercise today. We'll see. Got to get those muscles going. I hope you guys have an incredible New Year's Eve. Stay safe. Be here for next week's episode. Don't want to miss that or the rest of your life. That's what I'm saying. Be safe. But also don't want to miss the episode. Probably be pretty good or not. Only one way to find out. All right, guys. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you guys enjoy this story, The Artist, which is off of Twisted Reunion and narrated by T. Quone. All right, guys. Have an incredible new year. I will talk to you later. Peace. The Artist. The artist climbed the final flight of stairs, opened the door, and then locked it behind her. Today would be a busy day, just like every other one, and she couldn't be bothered while she was at work. She climbed onto the swivel stool in the middle of the tiny room and turned toward the north-facing window with the easel directly beneath it. After placing a blank canvas on the easel, she looked out the window, admiring the beautiful nothingness before her. With remarkable speed, she painted the T-intersection where Main Street ran into West Oak Avenue. A few moments later, a row of beautiful trees lined the east side of the road. Their shades spread across the blacktop. The artist sat up and looked out the window, pleased. The deserted streets miles below her were exactly as she had rendered them on the canvas. Afraid she'd lose her inspiration, the artist brushed a peaceful morning sky, then an elderly couple on Main Street walking hand in hand, appreciating the beautiful sun, each of them aware they only had a limited amount of time left, enjoying every passing moment. On the other side of the street, nearing the intersection, a young mother pushed a bright red stroller and smiled down at her infant daughter, staring in wonder at the balloon frozen in the sky. Knowing the people were outside the window just as she had drawn them, the artist continued.
With a few strokes of her brush, she painted an eighteen-year-old boy on his father's Harley out for a leisurely ride. One day, God willing, he would have a bike of his own, and a loving son he could lend it to. A few strokes later, she'd painted a yellow bus full of elementary school honor roll students. The PTA had rewarded them with a day of fun at the beach. Laughter floated through the bus as the kids celebrated a Sunday free from homework, chores, church, and other obligations. They worked so hard every day, and now they finally had a chance to just be kids. The artist set the painting against the wall and looked out the window. Her creation slowly came to life. The elderly couple sat on the bench. The school bus headed toward the stoplight. Time inched by so she could enjoy every expression, appreciate every emotion of the children pressing their faces to the windows. The driver tapped the brakes. The biker held up his hand and waved at the elderly couple who were friends of his grandmother. The mother, now stopped at the corner waiting patiently for the walk signal, bent down and smoothed her daughter's fine blonde hair. Panic didn't set in on the bus driver's face until the third time he tried the brakes. He had no way of knowing the cable had snapped after years of use and poor maintenance, but he did know he was just a few feet from the intersection and the motorcycle that had just entered it. Even from way up in her tower, the artist heard the blaring horn. The biker brought his hand back to the handlebars and tried to swerve out of the way. It wasn't due to the lack of skill or slow reaction, but the bus struck the tail end of his bike. He flipped over the front wheel. The bus driver jerked the wheel to the right, losing control of the vehicle. Young screams pierced the crisp morning air as the bus rushed towards the row of trees. At the exact moment the biker sailed into the stroller, the bus wrapped its front end around the trunk of a tall oak. The engine slammed back into the main compartment, severing the driver's legs and pinning him into the seat as tiny bodies flew past him, smashing into and through the windshield. The artist studied the smoldering wreckage. She cringed at the pained, confused expression of the biker who broke his back against the light post completely unaware of the mother screaming at him to get off her baby. She counted the little bodies hanging from the bus windows and smashed against the tall tree. She breathed in the familiar scent of gasoline and watched as sparks ignited the back of the bus, trapping the survivors in an inferno. The elderly woman stood in horror, torn between helping the children or her husband of 52 years, lying on the sidewalk suffering a massive heart attack. Discouraged with her first attempt, the artist turned to the eastern window and contemplated the nothingness, wondering what she should fill it with. After a few moments, she sat back on her stool and designed an elaborate amusement park. What would take others years, she painted in seconds, each calculation precise, every angle exact. The brilliance behind its design was evident as she looked out the window and admired its grandness. An amusement park without visitors to enjoy it was the equivalent of a perfect snowflake melting before anyone could see it. Quickly, she moved the brush across the canvas, leaving thousands of bodies in its wake. 
Eighth graders raised their hands and screamed as they rushed down the steep descents of a roller coaster, while their older brothers and sisters became better acquainted with the Ferris wheel. Parents in line for the log flume gave their children their first taste of cotton candy. The lines weren't too long, and the weather was just right. She had just created the perfect day. The artist stood at the window and watched parents pull their babies off the carousel and then down beer after beer. She heard the loud crack come from the roller coaster snaking and looping through the entire park. The first car, occupied by a five-year-old redhead and his father, had just reached the crest of the ten-story climb, about to race down the decline in order to build enough speed to complete the two corkscrews. The father heard the crack as the car began its descent, pulling the rest of the train with it. When the final car passed the crest, the train zoomed toward the corkscrews. Every passenger raised their arms and screamed as they plummeted. The broken coupling connecting the first car to the second held halfway through the first twist. When it gave, the first car shot off the tracks and headed for the lake fifty yards away. The little boy hadn't even realized they had left the track until his father's arms were severed by an electric wire. Both father and son died on impact, so they didn't see the wire fall into the brown building that housed the fireworks. The father and son didn't see the building explode into a blazing fire that spread in the wind. They didn't see the thousands of people caught up in the flames, the crowd panicking and trampling those who had fallen. But the artist did. She rested her arm on the window ledge and watched the story unfold. She listened to each wail and unanswered prayer and every damning curse. She smelled their fear and the sharp stench of burning flesh. She felt their sadness, their loss. When she couldn't handle any more, she turned to the southern window. The emptiness begged her to fill it, but she was hesitant to try once again to create a perfect picture. Finally, she decided that sometimes the simplest thing was best. She began depicting the core of the human race, one man and one woman who had taken each other in marriage, vowing to love one another till death did they part. The artist glanced out the window and watched the disheveled 33-year-old enter their living room and head to the dining room table. Saturday night's business dinner had turned very unprofessional, and all he wanted to do was close the blinds and crawl into bed. His wife was waiting for him at the table, holding a small, unmarked box behind her back, smiling from ear to ear. The artist returned to her canvas and filled in the details. On the table, a mound of unopened mail that the man hadn't the courage to open. The white box held a pregnancy test that had finally read positive after so many failed attempts. The artist remained seated and listened as the wife asked her husband how the dinner went and if he made the sale. He grunted something about the same old bullshit and opened the mail. His wife's next question was drowned out by his curses and the tearing of a letter in two. This was repeated three more times before the artist painted the couple's deceased son's Louisville slugger. They kept it mounted on the wall, just within the husband's reach. After setting the finished piece against the wall, the artist listened as the wife broke the good news, 
that they would once again have a family. The husband, overwhelmed by an unsuccessful career, a demanding mistress, and insurmountable bills, didn't tell his wife the baby couldn't be his. He couldn't admit to her that he'd had a vasectomy after their son died. He couldn't admit that he'd been lying to her every month of the past five years when she cried because she wasn't pregnant. He also couldn't contain his rage as he wondered whose baby she was carrying. The artist winced at the first thump. She didn't want to watch what he did with his dead son's baseball bat. Knowing the doctor had botched the vasectomy didn't make it any easier for the artist to watch the wife cower on all fours to protect the baby, screaming for God to stop him. God didn't, and the man continued the onslaught until the house was silent, except for his heavy breathing, the sound of her blood dripping on the hardwood floor. Sickened by the display, the artist took a blank canvas and set it on the easel below the western window. In a matter of moments, she had created a glorious church. She looked out the window and studied the pained expression of Jesus hanging on the colossal crucifix. She counted the abundant gold items, wondering how much money the church had spent on them instead of on the hungry and meek it claimed to serve. A crowd of parishioners filed through the church doors, every type of villager filling the pews. The farmer and his family were in the front row, trying to get closest to God so he would answer the prayers for rain and an abundant crop. Across the aisle, an elderly woman said a prayer for her dead husband and asked when she might be reunited with him, not understanding that she never would. Believers and skeptics held hands as they wished for salvation and survival, peace and prosperity, fame and freedom. Conflicting prayers bounced off the tower's four walls. The farmer's prayers for rain were just as heartfelt as the travel agent's plea for clear skies. The teenage boy in the back held his girlfriend's hand and prayed she would abandon her beliefs and have sex with him, while she prayed God would give her the strength to hold out until they were married. Some prayers were silly, many were selfish, most unrealistic. But all were heard, and all were unanswered. The artist studied the canvas. She reached toward it and stroked the hair of a beautiful eight-year-old girl who promised over and over that she'd be good if God let her younger brother walk again. The boy had stepped on a landmine and lost both legs. But the girl truly believed God could change that. A few strokes later, the artist's brush paused, then peppered the street with her final touches. She listened to the rumble outside and set the canvas against the wall, stood at the window and took in the entire scene. As the villagers set aside their differences and joined hands to say the Lord's Prayer, rebel insurgents crouched outside the building, holding their submachine guns, their fingers anxiously tapping the triggers. The rebels stormed the church, mowed down the farmer and his family, the preacher, the mayor, nearly everyone in attendance. The artist shook her head and left the tower. She'd try again tomorrow.